Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Hello and welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I'm your favorite gent, Stephen Ellis I'm your second favorite gent, Robert Wolfson Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize you were going to take it so well, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I can take it. That's okay. As long as I'm not third. Yeah, that would be really bad. That would be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. You can be. You can be the favorite gent next time. Sounds good. Okay, deal. I like it. That is a deal. Well, Steve, uh, springtime in the air. The weather is getting better. Snow is melting away, and I've had a few emails in my inbox about golf courses starting to open up. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. Yeah, you know, every time I hear about golf courses opening up on the radio, I actually cry a little, Rob. Why is that, Steve? Because I can't golf right now. (laughs) (laughs) So for the listeners that can't see you, because I know why, but what happened? I dislocated my elbow, in short. I did some other stuff, but that's really the main injury that's going to keep me from golf for a while. Yeah, it's kind of tough to golf when you have a brace around your elbow. Yeah, robo-arm. I've got robo-arm. It looks kind of cool, but yeah, I'd rather do without it. Don't think I need to tell you this, but you're not as young as you used to be. Duh. Another tear. And I feel another <laughs> tear coming. Been a lot of those. We don't heal as quickly, Steve. <laughs> you have to be careful. Yeah, that is that is very true. But good news is, is you'll be ready to go for the prime of summer and golf season. Yeah, and shout out to Altitude Physiotherapy in Banff for all the help. Getting me back ASAP so yeah. I can whoop Rob at some golf. He'll whoop me anyways, but <laughs> even with a bad elbow... So, Steve, speaking of tears and eyes, you know, springtime, yeah, you think about golf, but unfortunately, this time of year, we also have to think about taxes. It's just one of those necessary evils when the weather's getting better, we have to get our tax returns in. Right, way to kill the mood, Rob. (laughs) Everyone was thinking about golf, and now it's back to taxes. But it is a reality. You are correct. And something that we have to deal with. Obviously, not being accountants, but come this time of year... We've certainly got to make sure everyone's got their tax slips. Yeah, we, we get a lot of calls, and rightly so. Uh, taxation, unfortunately, is an important part of and a necessary part of investing in portfolios. Uh, it's a bit of running around in tax slips. We don't do people's tax returns for them, but we definitely help as much as we can with compiling the forms that you need to go to your accountant. So that's why we thought we'd take this episode to go through all those various slips that you may need if you invest in portfolios. Right, and we're going to focus a bit more on the tax slips themselves in this episode, but if you're looking for some more in-depth tax information, we did do an episode a year ago that might be of interest to you to go back and listen to. But for this one, as I said, we're going to just take a a bit of a simple approach to it and go through some of the tax slips, what they mean, and when you can expect to receive them. So typically, Steve, when we think about tax slips, there's two types of portfolios that we can invest in. There's either a non-registered or a registered portfolio. And we'll get into slips that you can expect with both styles of portfolio, if you will. And even, Steve, we even call the non-registered account the quote-unquote, the taxable account. So I think that's a good place for us to start. So Rob, let's start with the T5, which is a supplementary statement of investment income. And what that reports is income related to dividends from stocks, interest, and accrued interest from bonds, and interest from other debt instruments and cash balances. It's worth noting that income from investments held in currencies other than Canadian dollars are reported on a separate tax slip. 
That's right, Steve. And an easy example for listeners to think about for a T5 is just dividend income earned from their stocks and portfolio. So for example, like Scotiabank. Right. And what you'll get with that T5 as well is a summary of investment income. So that will actually break down the dividends and, and interest received and from which company. So you'll get a summary of all of the positions. You'll have to want to look through that and just make sure it matches up with your records. So there's another similar type of tax form, Steve, is called the T3. And I say similar because it reports the same type of income like a dividend income, but it's more income from income trusts and mutual funds. And this includes totals from all taxable trust unit distributions. So depending on the holdings that you have in your account and the time you receive the annual distribution information from the issuers, you may receive multiple tax slips right up until the end of March. So one thing we didn't mention with the T5s is typically they're mailed out by the 1st of March. But these T3s, they can drag on a little bit. And actually, issuers don't have to report that taxable income until the end of March, so March 31st. We always advise clients to just wait until at least the first week of April to go to their accountant with their tax slips, especially if they do hold mutual funds because those issuers can take a bit longer to report their income on the T3. Right, and as with the T5, you'll get a summary of investment income with the T3 that again provides some detail on the trust and mutual fund unit distributions including return of capital amounts, which you sometimes see with some of the funds and trust units. So another form, and one that caused quite a bit of confusion a few years ago, is the T5008, which is a statement of securities transactions. And essentially what this is, is and, and what was new last year, was adding book costs to that report. So essentially what it becomes is a capital gain or loss report, uh, which... CRA was receiving that T5008 from institutions for many years. Clients just started receiving it a few years ago. And so that form now is, is sent to clients and uh, is used to report capital gains or losses on a tax return. That's right, Steve. And one additional document which we supply is just a summary of all of these transactions, which comes out on a realized gain loss report, which is not an official tax receipt, but it just basically is an extra document which summarizes the trades so clients can go in their own records and make sure they've accounted for all of their realized capital gains or losses. Right. That was something we always sent out before they were receiving the T5008, and we just continue to do it. It's just a bit of value add, again, uh, so you can check your records against that, that 5008. So, Rob, another newer uh, requirement is the Foreign Income Verification Report. And that is provided to Canadian residents who hold or held during that tax year foreign securities. And that report is used to support the T1135 filing requirements with the Canadian Revenue Agency. So again, that's in a non-registered account. Just to be clear, there are people that hold foreign investments inside of a registered account. And that form or that verification is not required for those particular investments. This is actually a relatively newer form as well, Steve. It's only over the past, I would say, maybe three, four, five years. I don't know exactly, but approximately where uh, any investor who has more than $100,000 of foreign assets, and typically this is U.S. Uh, investments in their portfolio, they need to report uh, with CRA. It's just the tax treaty between the CRA uh, and, the, and the U.S. authorities as well that they have this income in these holdings in U.S. dollars. So it's a newer requirement, and most accountants know what to do with, with these reports as well. 
So as mentioned at the start of the episode, Steve, we typically think of the non-registered or taxable accounts when we think of tax slips, but there are some slips which come out for registered accounts as well. And the first and obvious one is if you happen to take money out of your RSP at some point for whatever reason throughout the year, just like you have T4 from your employer for income, you're essentially earning income from your RSP. So you'll, you will receive a T4 RSP from us, which reports any monies you have withdrawn from your registered account. And you have to add that to your regular taxable income as well. Similar to a T4 RSP, as you mentioned, Rob, there is the T4 RIF or RIF statement of income. And that is from a registered retirement income fund or a life income fund. So it works very similarly to withdrawals from RSP, just different uh, types of accounts. And of course, every once in a while, Steve, we do have clients who had accumulated registered assets while they were living within Canada, but for whatever reason, family uh, work, they've moved outside of Canada, but they still have these registered assets. When they do withdraw, they still have to pay tax to Revenue Canada, but instead of a T4 RSP or T4 RIF, it now comes in what's called an NR4, and NR simply stands for non-registered. So very similar, they still need to pay tax as a non-resident uh, to the Canada Revenue Agency. The difference though is, and I'm not sure why, but the T4 slips are typically sent out by March 1st, just like with your employer, you get your, your T4 by the end of February. But with the NR4s, they're due out by the end of March, so March 31st. So there's just a bit of a delay on the non-resident forms, but they still have to pay their tax. One final income form we'll mention is the T4A, which is a statement of pension, retirement, annuity, and other income. And that reports Deferred Profit Sharing Plan Withdrawals, or DPSP withdrawals, and Educational Assistance Payments and Accumulated Income Payments from Registered Savings Plans. So if you're making withdrawals, from a registered savings plans, you'll receive a T4A tax slip. So we've talked about the withdrawal side of the registered plans or the RSP plans, Steve, but of course you have to contribute that money into them over the course of your working career. And so of course from that you get your RSP contribution receipts, which allows you to use that tax deduction. There's actually two different RSP contribution slips that come out, Steve, depending on when you made the contribution. There's one which comes out right at the start of the new year, which reports all of your contributions basically from March 1st through to December 31st. Anytime throughout that latter half of the year, the last 10 months, it's all going to be accumulated on one contribution receipt. But And secondly, in early March, you will receive a second contribution slip for all of your contributions from January 1st through to March 1st, because in that first 60 days, you're allowed to either use those contributions for the prior year or the current year, so they separate that into its own individual slip. So there could be two different RSP contribution slips that you may receive. And there is no T at the beginning of the contribution receipt. That's right. That's just a a regular form. There's no T form. No T. All right, Rob, are there any more forms we can think of? I mean, there's lots, obviously, but from our side of things... You know, that really kind of sums it up. Yeah, there's obviously lots of other T forms and tax slips. But again, we're just related to ones which come from your investment portfolio. That's book. That's the list, I think. That's the list. Well, it's a short one. It's a good one. If you have any other questions, you can let us know. Again, if you want a bit more tax information, go back and listen to our previous episode. Yeah, and obviously, we're not the tax experts. 
So definitely consult a tax professional, your accountant, your bookkeeper, whoever it is that helps you with your taxes each year. And of course, there's always the Revenue Canada hotline number you can call too, the tips number, and they're there to help you out as well. And so of course, Steve, we've mentioned a few dates, but the most important date to remember is April 30th, because of course that is the tax filing deadline every year. So before you dust off the clubs and hit the driving range, make sure you get your slips to your accountant. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed this quick episode. And as always, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are... A couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.